and uh, good to go here this morning. Hey, I want to mention a couple of things before we jump in and really tag on what Tyler was sharing earlier. Easter is around the corner, which is hard to, to believe, but we have a very special weekend, really, uh, planned out. And, and I just want to mention, we're going to be doing four worship services over a three-day period over that weekend. April 10th is Friday. We're going to be doing a Good Friday service uh, here, 6 p.m. at New Hope Church. It's going to be very different than Easter. It's going to be uh, a dark and solemn and reflective on the crucifixion of Christ. And then on Saturday, and then our normal schedule on Sunday, two services, so three total Easter celebration services. It's collectively for the whole weekend, we celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ. And so we're very excited uh, about that. And to help spread the word, as Tyler was mentioning, we have yard signs for us. Now, last year, as we, as we talked to people that came, especially new guests that came, overwhelmingly, we had two answers, two responses. People came first because you invited them. Personal invites is still far and away the number one reason anybody will come to an Easter service, or any service for that matter. And so we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But the second was the yard signs. As you remember, there was yard signs all over Adele and beyond. And just that got people's attention, and people said, well, let's check out New Hope because they saw it. And so we have the yard signs today. And so if you're willing, if you would grab one of those, and we'll be out there handing them out as well for you. Now, some of you, I know you're like, well like the only people that visit me are mosquitoes and deer. Like I'm so far out remote, nobody would ever see it if I took a sign. I get it. So it may not be uh, for you and your situation, but others of you, you live in a key spot. You're like on a corner lot or high traffic place. And so for you, it might be two signs that would be key for you. And that's okay. So you can grab two signs if that's for you. But thank you for grabbing one and putting it out in your yard as we pray, as we begin to prepare for just a tremendous time of celebrating Christ this Easter season. Also want to mention too, I know you're here at first service, but after second service today, we are doing a Leaders Together huddle. So you're invited to come back if you would like. We're going to be talking about Easter. We're going to talk about some other key events coming up, uh, Leadership Pipeline, and also doing a training based on actually this morning's sermon. So we're going to be taking this morning's sermon and going a little bit deeper with our leaders this afternoon. So if you can make it, it's only 45 minutes, just know you're welcome to come back and be a part of that time. So that said, if you would, grab your Bibles, please. John chapter 10 is where we're at. Or if you have a digital version, turn it on. Turn on your Bible and turn to John chapter 10. We are, if you're, if you're new to the series and just kind of checking things out, we're going through the Gospel of John and uh, working verse by verse and partner with our devotional guide, which you can download off the church website. It's a 65-page guide that, that walks you through different parts of John and, and really we go back and forth between the passages between Sunday and during the week. And so God is doing some great things. We're looking at two primary questions. The first one's up here on the wall. Who is Jesus? And the second question is, what does he want from my life? And, and as I've shared multiple weeks, the prayer, the hope has been that as you're learning more about Jesus, you're falling more in love with Jesus. That's the hope for all of us as we go through this book of the Bible. Now, John chapter 10, what's going to happen here in this setting is that we're going to be let in on a conversation between Jesus and some Pharisees, some religious leaders. And I hope you've noticed so far as we're several chapters into the Gospel of John that so much of this Gospel account is, is Jesus talking about who he is and the crowd's trying to figure it out. So whether it's Nicodemus, whether it's the woman at the well, or whether it's religious leaders, they're all trying to figure this, this guy out. Who, who are you? And, and they're wrestling with it. And this morning is no different. And so you're going to have Jesus in this conversation with these, with these Pharisees. And they're going to be talking about who he is. Now, Jesus is going to use a figure of speech this morning that will try to explain what a relationship for us with him looks like. 
It's a figure of speech that is, is well known. It's one that's often embraced and very loved. What Jesus is going to do is he's going to compare himself to a shepherd. And he's going to compare us to sheep. And this is, again, an important and, and very helpful figure of speech. The, the goal today is that you're going to learn more about who Jesus is. And we're going to learn together more about who we are as well. Specifically, and I hope you have a bulletin on the back side. We've got some fill in the blanks. We're going to be looking at three different observations about who we are. Three different observations about who Jesus is. And then we'll tie it all together at the end. So grab your bulletin there. Turn to the back. Let's go ahead and jump in. John chapter 10, verse 1. The sheep are up first. We're first. And so we're going to look at some observations about us here as we, as we get started. Now Jesus is speaking again. He's talking to the religious leaders starting in verse 1. He says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief... And a robber, you might be saying, well, what's the difference between a thief and a robber? Well, the, the idea here is the thieves, uh, uh, they're more sneaky and they use trickery to get in. Robbers use force and they're more aggressive. That's kind of the distinction in the original language. Verse 2, the, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger's. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech like we've been talking about, but, now as usually the case, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Okay, again, three observations about us. First fill in the blank. Here it is. This is about us now. Is that you and I, we need... A shepherd. This is what we can learn from this passage so far. We need a, a shepherd. Now, I, I want to give a pop quiz here. I did this last week. I like pop quizzes. Here, here's the first question of our pop quiz. Are sheep smart? No. No, they're not, right? Are, are sheep strong? Again, no. Are sheep uh, fierce animals? No. Right? We're 0 for 3 here on this one, right? None of the above. In fact, sheep, they are dumb, wandering, vegetarian pacifists. I mean, that's, that's really what we're talking about when we talk about sheep here. They, they have no defense weapon. Um, they basically, they eat, they sleep, they complain, and they need someone to take care of them. Now, this might be the part where you start throwing elbows to the person next to you, or maybe you like, you know, somebody comes to mind, like, oh, that sounds like this person, you know, that kind of a thing. But, but that is a snapshot of of sheep. And, and, and this is what we're talking about. Now, I think when we, when we hear this, I think there's a little humility here for you and I. Because the Bible doesn't ever compare you and I to, to lions, to tigers, uh, superheroes. I mean, whatever the case may be, we, we are never compared that way. We're compared to lambs, to, to sheep. And again, some humility here with this. And, and maybe for some of you, you're like, well, I'm smart. Yes, for a lamb, you are. Or like, I'm tough, you know? I'm like, okay, you can be a tough lamb. But you're still a lamb. Like, this is, this is the snapshot that you and I get from Scripture about us. Now, here's the key and why I mention all that. Because a lamb without a shepherd is a dead lamb. They won't live long. They won't last long. Sheep need a shepherd. You and I need a shepherd. We're built to have a shepherd. And more than that, you and I are built to follow. 
And so if it's not Jesus, you will find another shepherd replacement and you will follow that shepherd. And it could be any number of things that we can place in our lives. We call these idols and we can, we can follow those things in place of the true shepherd because you and I are built to follow. But Jesus here says, I am in verse 2, and the key is the, I am the shepherd of the sheep. I am the true shepherd. We're going to see later on, he's the good shepherd. This is the picture that we get of Jesus. Jesus wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be your leader. He wants us to follow him because he leads us in good places. And we're going to see some other attributes of him as the good shepherd here in just a moment. So so the first idea here that we see is that we are sheep and we need a shepherd. Here's number two. Not only do we need a shepherd, but you and I, we need a flock. See, sheep are social animals. And as I just mentioned, sheep have no defense mechanism. There's nothing about a lamb that is is an offensive weapon, if you will. The only thing that lambs have is to flock, is to gather. That is their defense mechanism. That's what they have, is to gather together in a flock. See, the point here is that you and I, like real sheep, we need a flock. We need a community. And as one of your pastors, I, I want to tell you thank you because you, at New Hope Church, you are an easy flock to love and to lead. You really are. But we need a flock. We need, you and I, we need a church family. It highlights that church is not a place to attend. It's a community to connect to, isn't it? It's a family to belong to. It's, it's a flock to say, this is, this is my community. So whether we're talking about Sunday morning gatherings, we're talking about a small group, we're talking about a, a ministry team, whatever the case may be, where we're building friendships, where you're connecting with other lambs, and you're, you're with them in community and relationship, you're sharing life with one another, that's important. If New Hope Church is your home, this is your flock. This is the place where you connect Now, one of the things that's often talked about and observed, especially by pastors and other ministry leaders, is that today, culturally, people are flocking less often. People aren't gathering as often anymore. In fact, the national average for a church member is two Sundays out of every five. That's how often people come together. And that's not very much. I would even say it's not not enough in terms of gathering with, with your flock Now, why is that the case? Let me just offer a couple observations I've had over the years that I think is the reason. The first one is this, is that it's just not a priority. That there's so many other things that compete for time that that church becomes one of several things. And so it just kind of gets lost in and and that that can happen. It can happen to all of us. A second is, though, that for some people, they're not as maybe relational They're not as social, and so coming to a a social gathering or coming to a a place where there's a collection of people can feel intimidating or scary. And maybe for those people, and I'm so glad if if even you're watching this morning, like you watch on Facebook Live, which is a tremendous tool that, that we can offer. In fact, on any given week, we have more people watching online than we have gathering here in this room, which which is, is fine, is, is great. But if 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 online church is all that a person has, that's not enough, is it? You need to be in community with people and rubbing elbows with people and praying with people and hugging people and talking with people and listening to people and and just with people. That proximity to others is so important. But here's the third reason that I think that um, maybe church gets lost 
and maybe this applies to you, is that at some point along the way, you were hurt at church. That you were part of a flock and another lamb or a couple lambs or a group of lambs bit you. And that hurts. And when that happens, there's almost a sense of like, well, I, I don't want to be a part of that flock or any flock for that matter because, because you get hurt in those places. And I get it. In fact, if I look back on the course of my life, the worst scars I have are from bites from church people. It's the truth. But the thing about a lamb's bite is it hurts. It doesn't kill. But it still hurts. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if, if that's you, if that's where you've been, if that's something that has impacted you, it's just a place to come and say, God, can you just do some work on my own heart? Because this is a place to offer forgiveness. Because I recognize that Jesus says, I need a flock, but I've been hurt in my flock, and I don't know how to reconcile those two ideas. And so it's a place where, God, I just need you to help me with this. And so again, we need a shepherd. Second, for you and I, we need a flock. And here's number three. We need to know the shepherd's voice. This is something else we get from these verses here as we just get started. We need to know the shepherd's voice. You know one amazing thing about sheep, and we've been kind of dogging sheep all along here, but there is actually some very incredible things about sheep. Here's one of them. You can YouTube it and watch it and everything, but if you get a, a bunch of flocks together and a handful of shepherds and you throw them all in this one large area and any one shepherd steps forward and calls out to their sheep that are intermixed with all these other sheep, their sheep will hear their shepherd's voice, and only their sheep will come and respond. Isn't that incredible? It's an amazing thing to watch. And even if a stranger steps forward and uses the exact same words that that shepherd just used, his sheep or her sheep will not respond. Even if they try to match the voice and the intonation, those sheep will not respond. In fact, they'll get jittery and they'll scatter. Sheep have this amazing ability to learn their shepherd's voice to respond only to their shepherd's voice. It's an incredible thing about shepherds. And for us, as we just highlighted here in these verses, it's our job as sheep to learn and listen to our shepherd's voice. And you might say, well, how does he speak? I mean, how does Jesus as our shepherd speak? And the primary way the answer is Scripture. As I say often, if you want to hear the voice of God, you need to get into the word of God. That's the key. And so as we're in scripture, we learn more of his voice. And as I've shared before, the idea, and this is why the John devotional is so important, is that we spend time in there on your own, and you're in his word, and the way it works is that you, you hear or read it, and then you absorb it or agree with it, and then live it out. Maybe you remember several months ago, we talked about the idea of ears, heart, hands, repeat. Ears, heart, hands, repeat. And the idea that I read scripture, I absorb it, agree with it, and I strive to live it out. And then I do it again. And that's what that walking with God and as his sheep, listening to my shepherd, listening to his voice, you can't do it just on a sermon on Sunday morning. You and I, we have got to be in scripture. We have got to be hearing from the shepherd, hearing it, absorbing it, and then living it out. That's what it means to listen to the voice of the shepherd. This is something that we learn how to do. So I want to ask this morning, whose voice do you most listen to? Whose voice most has your attention? I read a study this week that got my attention. It was about high school students. 
And the question it asked high school students, and, and these are believers and not believers, just a collection, massive numbers of high school students, it said, the, the survey said, when, when life goes sideways for you, when life gets really hard, where do you turn for answers and comfort? Where, where do you go? And the answers were all over the map. If any of your dads in here, you came out number 25 on the list. Moms, you did a little better, came out number 11. The number one and number two answers for where people turn when life is hard for high school students in the survey, number two was music, and number one was their friends. That's where they go. You know what didn't make the list? was faith. Jesus. The Lord wasn't even on the list. It wasn't even, wasn't even a, a conception there with, with these students in terms of where do they go. And I know we're talking about high school students, but my hunch is, and I know this is true, adults can, can fall into the same patterns. I, I just find over the years, it's so easy to get caught up in other voices, isn't it? And, and it's so easy, especially two areas, to get caught up on these two voices. And it's, it's, it's culture, and it's our critics. Man, those two voices have our attention so much. Culture, meaning the fish tank we swim in and all the, the, just the ways people do things. And we don't even examine sometimes the things that we do and why we do them. And does it even mesh with what the Bible says? We just kind of live out the things everybody else does. And, and those are the voices that we listen to. Or how about your critics? How many times have you changed who you are because of people that have bullied you or criticized you or even the fear of that? And these become voices that shape us and shake us. Not the loving, gentle call of a shepherd, of Jesus. So we need, to, we, we, we need a shepherd. We need a flock. And we need to know and learn how to listen to the voice of our shepherd. That, that's about us. Now let's transition and let's talk about how about Jesus? What can we learn about Jesus? So the next part, Jesus is going to transition and give us some insight about him as the good shepherd. Let's go to verse 7. Jesus is still going. He says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, to kill, to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the, not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He said, but I am the good shepherd. I know. And by the way, if you have your Bible, circle that word, know. That means an intimate knowledge. Not just knows about, but intimately knows. He says, I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, similar. So three lessons about Jesus that we can see. Here's number one. That Jesus, first of all, we said we need a shepherd. There it is. Jesus is, as we just learned, the good shepherd. This is how, how he describes himself. He, in these verses, he calls himself the good shepherd, or literally that means the noble shepherd. But he also describes himself as a gate. And either one gives us this picture of providing and protecting. 
You know, one of the practices of a shepherd is that at the end of the day, the sheep would be out in pasture, and the shepherd would be there. At the end of the day, would bring the sheep into the sheep pen. And the shepherd would stand, by, would stand by the gate, and as the sheep would come in, the shepherd would examine every lamb that comes through. So the first lamb would come, and he would check the lamb for scratches or injuries. If there was dehydration, gives the lamb some water. Provide for the needs of the lamb, and then move that one into the pen, and the next one would come in, and the shepherd would inspect that one. This, this picture of care and loving concern that the shepherd would do. And then once all the lambs were in the pen, his work was not done. He would then lay down, make his bed at the entrance of the gate, or the sheep pen would be the gate, and he would lay there as the, as the gate. And the idea is that, that sheep couldn't get out, and nobody could get in unless they interrupted or woke the shepherd. The shepherd, again, even in times of rest, was protecting and providing for his sheep. This, this is the picture that we get of the good shepherd and who he is, that he is our protector, that there is no one like Jesus. This is the role that he wants to play in your life and in mine. So that's the first picture we get. Jesus is the good shepherd. Here's the second one. is this picture that Jesus, not only is he the good shepherd, but he lays down his life for his sheep. And maybe you've noticed that over and over again, Jesus says these words, I lay down my life for my sheep. You notice what that implies? It implies that Jesus is not a victim. And also implies that we are not innocent. That Jesus willingly lays down his life. He gave his life. He sacrificed his life. And then when the penalty was paid, he takes his life back. This is the picture we get of Jesus as the good shepherd. And it highlights that a relationship with Jesus begins and ends with forgiveness and love. This points to the cross, doesn't it? And it highlights this idea that Jesus, as your good shepherd, he could not, he could not love you anymore or pursue you any less. This is who he is. And to drive this home, I love this picture too. Jesus contrasts himself as the good shepherd with hired hands, a hired shepherd, a hired worker of the sheep. And he says, look, I, I, I'm not like that. Because a hired shepherd, well, doesn't really care about the sheep. It's, it's a job. And you know as well as I do, there is a world of difference, isn't there, between a job and a calling. I mean, a world of difference. For example, is a parent, is a parent a calling or a job? It's a calling, isn't it? I mean, could you imagine if it was, if it was a job? Uh, it'd be the kind of scenario where uh, it would highlight when your kid is up at 3 a.m. and throwing up all over the place, right? That's when it becomes a calling. I mean, if it was a job, you'd be like, hey, look, I'm off duty, kid. I'm sorry. You know, throw up hours are 9 to 5. That's when I'm on duty, but, but I'm off duty now, so you're on your own, right? Not at all. The mom, the dad, doesn't matter. They're there, and they roll up their sleeves, and they're, they're, they're taking care of the child because it's a calling. That's the difference. See, a job is, is easy to leave, it's hard to sacrifice for, and if they don't pay you, you don't show up. That's a job. But a calling is different. A calling is hard to leave. It's easy to sacrifice for. And it doesn't matter the pay because you believe in it. And you show up and you serve and give because you believe in the, in the calling, you believe in the cause, you believe what God has called you to do, and that's the difference. 
And, and Jesus highlighting, look, I am the shepherd, not because I'm hired to do it, not because there's some pay for it. Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd because I love you, and this is my calling as your Savior and your Lord. This is the picture that we have of Jesus. So he is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. And here's number three. And I love this one. I love, love this one. That Jesus knows his sheep by name. I love this. You know, shepherds, they, they would and they do, they would name their sheep. Like you might name your dog or cat. Every sheep, every lamb had a name. And they would call them by name. And, and the reason I love this is I think it's easy to picture God as he loves the flock, but I'm just loved because I'm a part of the flock. But to forget that he loves you. And he knows you by name, and the day will come, he will call you by name. Can you imagine that? And to hear his voice, well done, good and faithful servant, to you, not a flock, to you. That he knows your name, that he loves you individually, that yes, he loves his flock, but he loves you. That's important for us to hear, I think, sometimes. That he knows and he loves you. Let's wrap up a few more verses here as we finish this this section here of Jesus talking. Verse 16, Jesus, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Uh, They too will, will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus here in this verse gives this prophetic uh, um, message. He's talking to a Jewish audience, remember, and he's saying, look, my, my flock is, is, is bigger than just a Jewish flock. It's going to be a global flock. It's going to be from every tribe, nation, tongue of people. This is, this is us. We're part of this that are, are brought into his flock, if you will. It is a global, worldwide movement. Verse 17, again, as Jesus finishes, he says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, and I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And this command I received from my father. The Jews heard these words were divided again, and many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Again, a divided audience, aren't they? Wrestling through, who is this? Who is Jesus? There's nobody like him, but, but not being able to go there in terms of him being Savior and Lord. I, I want to close our time here with just two very brief action steps for us. Things that you can do, I think, today to apply to your life. Here's the first one. Is that you and I, this morning, would, would reaffirm or maybe for the first time affirm, but reaffirm that Jesus is your shepherd. That Jesus is your shepherd. Uh, That New Hope Church is your flock. That that the scripture is how you hear the voice of your shepherd. And spending time in the Bible is important. It's not optional. It's a lifeline. That we need this. That we we reaffirm this morning that there there is no one like Jesus. Is he your shepherd? 
and not just a name. That, yeah, that's my shepherd. That's the one I ascribe to. But I am a sheep that follows the voice and leadership of my shepherd. I think that's a great uh, opportunity to evaluate our own lives. How are we doing? How are we doing following the good shepherd? And then here's number two. Is that if you are part of this flock, then God has called you to be an under-shepherd to the good shepherd. And I say, well, what does that mean? That means that God is calling you to a little flock. And he's calling you to be an under-shepherd to a flock in, in, in your life. And, and so I'm talking this morning, I, I'm talking to anybody here this morning that you are a mom, that you're a dad, that you're a grandmother or a grandfather, that you're a ministry leader, that you're a small group leader, that you are a coach, that you're a teacher, that you're an employer. And the list could go on and on. That there is, there is a high likelihood that every single one of you in this room, that there are people in your life that God has provided, that they're there with you, and you know them, and you interact with them, and, and you have an opportunity to shepherd them. You have the opportunity to point them to the good shepherd. You have an opportunity to lead, to feed, to protect, to provide. That you have that opportunity to minister to the people in your life. Again, as an under-shepherd. And this becomes an important calling. But here's the key, and here's your last fill in the blank. And we have one more. Here it is. Here's the last fill in the blank. It's this. That before you, before me, any of us can become good shepherds to others, you must be good sheep to the good shepherd. Because you cannot pass along what you do not have. If, if you are not walking with Jesus yourself as a sheep that listens to the shepherd's voice, you have no ministry to help other people become good sheep to the good shepherd. Because you can't pass along what you don't have. This is why Christianity, even leadership in Christianity, it begins with following Christ. And it begins with recognizing too, as you are following Christ, that God has put people around you that you can have an eternal impact in their lives. That you can be, as we're using this term, an under-shepherd to them. And again, maybe it's your household, maybe it's a team, maybe it's a classroom, maybe it's your employees, whatever it is that God could use you in that setting. So what might that look like? Here are a couple suggestions. And this probably especially applies to the home front. First, that you would pray for and pray with your flock. Pray for your flock. Pray with them. Number two, that you would, you would promote Jesus among your flock as you are able to do, and, and I know all settings are different, they're not all the same, but as much as you're able, that you would both pray for, that you would promote Jesus, and second, that you would proclaim scripture. And again, I'm thinking especially the home. That, that you, and, and I'm especially going to talk to the men in this room, that as dads, as grandfathers, that you would be striving to practice those things, that in my household, that we will pray together, that we will promote Jesus, and that we will proclaim scripture. And to do that in your home, say, this is what we're about. This is who we are. We're a family, and we're a flock, and we're sheep, and we're going to follow the good shepherd. 
We're going to listen to his voice and do what he says. What a tremendous and exciting opportunity, isn't it? That to be good shepherds, we have to be good sheep first. I'd like to invite the band to come up, and, and we're just going to, we're going to pray now. And again, my encouragement for all of us is that we would just give some thought this week to this. And maybe here, just as we take a few moments to pray, of just asking God, whatever it is in your life, wherever you're at, and maybe for you it's coming before God and say, you know what, you're a faithful leader in my life, but I have not been a faithful follower. And there's some areas that I just need to clean up. And asking God to help you in that area. Today's a great morning to do that. Or maybe for you it's this idea of, you know what, God, I know you provide a little flock for me, but I've never, I've never been an under-shepherd in my family. I've never, I've never played that role before. God, would you help me to know how to do this and just start somewhere? I know this was a focus even at the marriage uh, event we had a few weeks ago, that, that our households, that our marriages, that with our kids, that we would be uh, focused on this and shepherding in this place. Maybe it's time this morning to spend some time with God and say, God, would you help me? Would you help me to do this? Would you pray with me? And then we're going to worship together as we close this morning. Father, this morning, first, we just tell you thank you. Thank you for Jesus, who is our shepherd, the true shepherd, the noble shepherd, the, the good shepherd in the gate. And Father, this morning, to get a, a picture of who our Savior is, as well as who we are, and what it looks like to be in relationship with our shepherd Lord, you are so faithful to lead. Help us to be faithful to follow. And Father, I pray too that you would help us to be courageous, to be under shepherds, to be faithful in this way, to to listen to the voice of our shepherd and to do what he's asked us to do. Not because it's a job, but it's a calling. Help us to do that, Lord. And now we're going to stand in a moment and we're just going to worship you, Father, because you are worthy. You are worthy to be praised and honored and glorified. We praise you and we thank you. We praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen.